Today's topic is Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the busiest day in the Bible. And other than the fact that today is Rosh Chodesh, I picked this topic today because we're all familiar with this famous question in Magid, Yochomid Rosh Chodesh. I'm sure almost everyone listening remembers saying this in their Seder. And I'm going to make another assumption that most people remember saying it, but don't really understand what they're talking about. So let me explain what's going on in our Haggadah and what that question is about. And then we'll use that as the point of departure to understand Rosh Chodesh Nisan. The first several sections of Magid, before we tell the story, it's like a pregame show where we discuss who's obligated to tell the story, not only children, also adults, why we're obligated, because we were once slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt and out of gratitude. Also, this obligation is not only a yearly one, also a daily one. And also we talk about how to tell the story, and that's the section of the four sons. The last of the four sons is Shem Yudeli Shol. And after we finish the four sons, that takes us right into this big question. After discussing, after discussing how we tell the story and who has to tell the story and when we tell the story, why we tell the story, we have the one last question before we begin the story. When are we obligated to tell the story? We're discussing our obligations. And the big question is, we know we're obligated to tell the story once a year. We want to know when does that obligation begin? So in a Talmudic type of discussion, the Haggadah asks the question, I might think that my obligation to tell the story of the Exodus actually begins today, Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Now, we all know that we tell the story at the Seder on the 15th of Nisan in the evening. But there's a Havamina. There's a possibility that even beginning today, I could fulfill my obligation to tell the story. And therefore, we're going to discuss this today. In Haggadah, we ask the question, and we say, we'll understand this argument going back and forth later on. We quote a Pasuk, and then we ask a question, maybe it's on the 14th, the day before. It's very complicated if you don't know the Pesukim. So in about 10, 15 minutes, we're going to go to those verses, those Pesukim and Chumash, and understand this whole discussion. But before that, I want to explain how, what's this transition from the four sons to this question. Remember the four sons in Agara, there's the Chacham, there's the Rasha, there's the Tam and the Shem Yodei Show. The son who doesn't know how to ask a question, he's the last one. And in a nutshell, what Haggadah is telling us is when a child asks a question, don't answer the question, answer the child. It's, we call it differential education. When you're discussing and explaining something to other people, you have to know the audience you're talking to or the child you're talking to and make sure that when you explain the story, it's at the proper level, not too simple, not too hard, something they can understand or something they need to hear. Now, all the other three sons, the Agada uses verses in Chumash where a parent answers the child. Usually there's a question coming up. So there's a question in Chumash. And after asking the question, Chumash gives an answer that the parents should say to that child. The only time we have a situation like that, where a parent answers the child, but there's no question beforehand, is the Pasuk of the Shainu Daily Show, where it simply says, It's not preceded by a question. We're told on the day, we'll see, when you start eating matzah and bring Korban Pesach, you have to tell your child on that day, Now this verse, I'm sure you've seen many times, according to almost all the commentators, this is our biblical obligation to tell the story. If I'm looking for a verse in the Bible that tells me I'm obligated to tell the story to my children, the night of the Seder, this is the one everyone quotes, 
And soon we'll see why. We're going to see the Rabbam adds a little more than that. We'll get to that soon. Um, so let's look at the verses in Chumash that this is quoted in. We're in Shemot Perik Gimel. We left Egypt already. The Exodus itself took place in chapter 12. In the beginning of chapter 12, we have what was called Parshat Achoresh, the commandment to bring the Korban Pesach. We brought the Korban Pesach. That evening, Makat Pachorot happens, and Pharaoh decides to send us out to worship our God. We're rushed out of Egypt. We borrow everything we need, and we're on our way to Egypt. The next morning, we travel from Ramses to Sukkot. We took the dough that we had with us and ate it for breakfast, and we ate it that whole week. And then, the day after we left Egypt, in chapter 13 in Perikid Gimel, Moshe tells the people as follows, and listen carefully, because the Rambam we'll see in a minute is going to quote actually this verse to define the obligation. In fact, this entire section. So let's read carefully. Verse 3, Pasuk Gimel, in Perikid Gimel and Shemot. V'yomer Moshe al-Am, Moshe told the people, Remember this day that you've now left Egypt from slavery because God took you out of Egypt with a strong hand. And don't eat chametz. At first glance, this sounds like two separate commandments. One is a commandment to remember this day that you left Egypt, which could be a commandment for every day of your life. Not only one day a year, but every day of your life. But the next line saying, and don't eat chametz, that's only once a year. So that's going to be a question. Is this one commandment that once a year we don't eat chametz, and the reason we don't eat chametz is to remember the day we left Egypt? But then it would make more sense to say eat matzah. And we'll see now, this opening line is going to be explained by the next four lines. What does, um, what does Moshe continue to tell the people? Hayom, atem yotzim b'chodesh aviv. Pay attention, the day we're leaving now is in the month, in, in the month of the spring, Chodesh Aviv. So remember this day, therefore when you come to the land of Israel, etc., when God brings you to the land of Israel, and hopefully we'll be there by next year, then do this service in this month. Some commentators say it's referring to the Korban Pesach, some people say it's referring to eating Matzah. But either way, we get the detail now what to do in the spring. Shivat Yamin Tocham Matzot, Eat matzah for seven days in the spring. On the seventh day, make a holiday. Matzot should be eaten for these seven days. And you can't own, and you can't see, and you can't, uh, you can't have in your possession any chametz everywhere you're living. Now, for the generation that left Egypt, eating matzah the year after, two years after, ten years after, is going to remind them of that special experience. If I want to take an example from today, this crisis will be over, and certain things that we're doing now all the time, which are typical, what happens when you're home alone all day long, we're going to remember there'll be certain items, certain things we eat, certain things we do, like um, talking on Zoom probably. Oh, I remember that. Every time you open up Zoom and have a meeting, I'm going to remember that's what we did all day during this corona crisis. So for the people who went through the crisis, or here, for the people who went through the exodus, eating matzah, in the spring, would remind them of the Exodus. But 50, 100 years later, the children who grew up in the meantime are going to know in our family we eat matzah in the spring. They, don't, they might not understand why. Therefore, Chumash tells us, in the spring when you eat matzah, what do you have to do? Tell your children, there's no question, the question is assumed, of course he's going to ask, why are we eating matzah and not having comments in the spring? So tell your children on that day, 
tell them for the sake of this matzah, God did for me, we see all these miracles taking me out of Egypt. In one of our shurim next week, we'll talk about this in general. There's a big question. What is it we need to explain to our children? Do we need to explain to our children why I'm eating matzah? And therefore explain to them, I'm eating matzah to remember that God took me out of Egypt. Or do I explain to my children, the reason why God took me out of Egypt was to eat matzah. It's a great argument between Rashi and Ramban and Eben Ezra. It, is a, it requires an entire shiur. But for today's shiur, it's when do we have to tell this story to our children? On that day. What's that day referring to? Therefore, the Gemara asks the question, which we quote in the Haggadah, Yochol, Rosh Chodesh. I might think that this day begins on Rosh Chodesh. What's the source? Okay, why would anyone think it begins on Rosh Chodesh? We have to go back to chapter 12, topic we did earlier this week, where Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, um, the very first commandment, Parsha Rosh Chodesh, God tells Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron in the land of Egypt, Perikid Bet, this month is the beginning of your months, the first month for you for all the months of the year. That was a commandment to Moshe Rabbeinu to set this for the first month of the calendar. That's followed by, which I'm purposely skipping, the laws of Tabin Israel on the 10th of the month to take a lamb, on the 14th to Shechtit, Habit to Korban Pesach, etc. That's followed by 12, 11 Sukim about the laws of the laws of Korban Pesach. Then, when all that's over, God tells us, the blood will be for you a sign on the doors that you're on, and you'll see the blood, and it will save you. And then, Moshe, God tells Moshe as follows, This day should be a day to remember forever. All generations remember this day. This is going to be a yearly celebration. Put it in your calendar forever. Now, it's, there's a big question. Is that verse going backwards or forwards? But for our share today, what is Hayom as I referring to? Well, there's several possibilities. It could be referring to today. What's today? Today is HaChodesh Zelachem. God is talking to Moshe Rabbeinu on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So it could be that God is telling Moshe Rabbeinu what day is going to be the day that we're going to remember this event forever? On Rosh Chodesh, because that's when you receive the commandment. It's a new moon. Just like we start Yom HaZikaron, what we call Rosh Hashanah, on the first day of the seventh month, which is a big event in our Judaism, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, and when we're being judged for the whole year, it could be that the spring begins also on Rosh Chodesh. And I begin the spring with the story of the Exodus. And maybe in the beginning of the spring, I tell the story of the Exodus on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. That's the Havamina. That, that notes, it's because of this Pasuk, there's reason to think that I can tell the story already on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So therefore, it could be referring to Rosh Chodesh Nisan, or it could be referring to the day they took the lamb on the 10th, or the 14th, the day they, sw- they slaughtered it. And that was a discussion we had above, which we talk about in our Seder as follows. What do we say in our Seder? Yochami Rosh Chodesh, on that day. Uh, on that day, maybe that day is the day on the 14th. When you, when you took the, when you shechted the lamb, and got ready for your korban. Tamalom or Zeh is referring to the matzot in the pasuk. It says eat matzah for seven days and don't have chametz. And because the got to drink Zeh must be referring to the matzah. And therefore, you tell the story at the same time when you're eating matzah and eating moror. 
which is again the commandment to teach the Korban Pesach because Matzid Mar in that evening. That's later in Pasachet in Parakibet. And that's why Rav Gabriel says later in the Mishnah, we say this in our Seder, if you don't explain these three things, Pesach, Matzad, Mara, when you're telling the story, you did not fulfill your obligation. So I simply brought that down to show you that there was even a Habamina, that today would be the day that we tell the story of the Exodus. Now, when we studied Parshat HaKodesh in our previous short, we talked about the fact that the focal point of Parshat HaKodesh is the Jewish home. We talked about the word bait mentioned over and over again, I think at least 10 times. And it's about building the Jewish home. That's going to be the molecular unit that begins our Jewish history. And everything was about the home and focusing on the home and the family, the mishpacha, and beginning our Jewish history with the home and having a sit-down meal and a celebration and discussion of where we're, go- where we're going to, where-, where we came from. And that was the original first Seder. And that was we discussed when we discussed the Halach Manya. I should mention also the Rambam in Hilchot Chumetz Matzah, when he brings Bisfat Asay Shotoran Saper When the Rambam defines the obligation to tell the story at the Seder on the 15th at night, he doesn't begin with Bigat Levincha, he begins with Pasagimel, Zechorate Yomazeh, everything we just read. He says, The Chiyuv Derais is actually Pasagimel, not Pasachet. The Chiyuv Derais is remember this day that you left Egypt forever. Like it says, Zechorate Yom Shabbat, like keeping Shabbat. In fact, the Rambam counts the daily commandment to remember the Exodus and the yearly commandment to tell the story all part of one mitzvah. And that goes back to the second show we gave about once a day and once a year. The main commandment is to remember the Exodus every day. And the yearly storytelling at the Seder is, an order, is going to recharge and make sure that that story is going to be meaningful. Now, with this background, I want to discuss now the main topic of our share is how we go from Rosh Chodesh Nisan in the first year which kicks off our national history, which focuses on the Jewish home. And within a year's time, the entire focus is going to move from the home to the Mishkan, from the family to the nation, from the individual and his family unit to building a nation together and having a Mishkan and later a Mikdash where we serve God, not just as individuals, but also as a nation. So what I want to do now is share with you what happened in Chumash from the time we left Egypt, from Rosh Chodesh Nisan in year one to Rosh Chodesh Nisan in year two. This is basic Jewish knowledge everyone should know, but not everyone's really always familiar with it. So I made a little table here, and I want to go over the key events. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, we get Parshat HaChodesh. Let me make this a little bit bigger. We'll make it a little bit bigger. We'll make this zoom. Make it. Should be able to see it now better. Um, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, we get the commandment. On the 10th of Nisan, we take the lamb. We're familiar with that. On the 4th of Nisan, we slaughter the lamb and prepare for the dinner that night. On the 15th of Nisan, we eat the Korban Pesach at night in our homes and we're saved from Makat Bukharot. That evening or early in the morning, Pharaoh kicks us out. Between the 16th of Nisan and the 15th of Iyar, which is the rest of Parsha Bashalach, we travel from Ramses to Sukkot, from Sukkot to Etam, we have Kriyat Yamsuf, then we have the events in Maran, Etam, and finally we arrive in Midbar Sin. On the 15th of Yar, if you remember, in chapter 16, in Sefer Shemot, the people run out of food, and we have the Homan experience. And after that, we travel to Rifidim, and there's no water, 
then Amalek attacks, and then in the beginning of the third month in Rosh Chodesh Sivan, that's chapter 19 in Sefer Shemot, we arrive at Mount Sinai. Six days later, or seven days later, we receive the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up for the first 40 days after we receive the Torah and have our first celebration of Nasa Benishma. Moshe goes up for the first 40 days to, re- to receive the Luchot and the laws and the Torah. Then, when Moshe comes down, we have the story of Chet Egel, and Moshe breaks the first Luchot. Therefore, Moshe comes down on the 17th of Tammuz, the reason for the fast day in the fourth month. Moshe davens for 40 days, not in order for God to bring Ishkina back. God took the Ishkina away because you were an Amksher, if you were a stiff-necked nation. God says, I'm not going to dwell with you. I'm not going to travel with you. You can go to Israel, but without me. Moshe says, I'm not accepting that. If you don't come with us, we're not leaving Mount Sinai. Moshe davens for 40 days. It's described in detail more in Parshat Ekev, but also in Shemot. And that's from the 18th of Tammuz to the 29th of Av, another 40 days. And then God accepts Moshe's prayer, and Moshe is told by God in Tarek Labadalad of Shemot, where God tells, Moshe, God tells Moshe, carve another set of Luchot and bring them up the mountain. Moshe goes up on Rosh Chodesh Elul, comes down on Yom Kippur, on the 10th of Tishrei, and then he receives God's attributes of mercy, where God says, I can, now in this new contract, I can be forgiving, I'm willing to forgive you, I'm willing to bring my Shekhinah back. But Moshe Rabbeinu prayed on those last 40 days, and he prayed to God, if indeed he found favor in God's eyes, after God declared his middot of Rachamim, by Maher Moshe, by Kod Arza, by Shtacha, by Yomri, Moshe asked God, Please come back and bring your Shekhinah back. Because God took his Shekhinah away after Chetah Moshe is begging God, before we leave the desert, come with us, bring your Shekhinah back. The way Chazal understand is that God's answer is, I can forgive you. God's Minotorah means he can forgive. Will he forgive Amisras to prove they're worthy of his forgiveness? Before God brings his Shekhinah back, this would be a very key point, God is willing to be forgiving, but he doesn't automatically forgive. God's attributes of mercy doesn't mean he will forgive, it means he can forgive. And knowing he can forgive, that opens up the whole option of prayer, and which makes prayer meaningful. We know God can forgive, we have to prove to God we're worthy of, of his forgiveness. Therefore, God's answer is, build for me a mishkan. Show me that you can follow orders. Show me that you can work on a project together. Show me that you can be a united people. Take all your resources, be creative, build a mishkan, and then I'm willing to dwell among you. God's Shekhinah doesn't return when Moshe comes down on Yom Kippur with the second Luchot. What Moshe receives with the second Luchot is the possibility of forgiveness, but now Am Yisrael has to do their side. They have to prove to God the worthy. Therefore, for the next six months, from the 11th of Tishrei to the 22nd of Adar, Am Yisrael is busy building the Mishkan. Uh, just a little side note, it's a different holiday, but I think it's important to note here, we have a beautiful custom that right after Yom Kippur is over, as soon as Yom Kippur finishes, we have a minute to go home after we break our fast, and we start working on the Sukkah immediately. And the Sukkah, the Schach, reminds us of the Shekhinah. So it's interesting, as we begin working on our Sukkah right after Yom Kippur, it's the exact same time when Am Yisrael began to work on the Mishkan. Again, so we, from the 11th of Tishrei, that year, 
that went to the 22nd of Adar, they spent six months building the Mishkan, and then finally everything's put together. And the last seven days before Rosh Chodesh Nisan, from the 23rd to the 29th of Adar, are the seven days of Miloim. It's a seven-day inaugural ceremony where Moshe is training Aaron and his sons how to bring Korbanot, and the Levine practice assembling and disassembling the Mishkan. And then finally, after a whole year, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan of the second year, the famous Yom HaShmini, that's the day the Mishkan is dedicated, and we're going to be we're going to see so many events of Chumash that took place on Rosh Chodesh Nisan in the second year, and that's what I talk about the busiest day in Chumash. There are going to be events described that happen on that day, when the Mishkan is official, and God Shechina returns. So many things are going to happen. They'll be described both in the Book of Shmot, in the Book of Vayikra, and in the Book of Bamidbar. For example, um, the Korbanot of Nusfim. The princes, when they bring their Korbanot, it also begins on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. The rest of the events, just quickly, we're going to go back to Rosh Chodesh Nisan in a minute, but just for general knowledge, the next 12 days, the Nisim, the princes, bring their Korbanot for Hanukkah Tamizbeach. Then, on the story, the 14th of Nisan, it's time for Pesach Sheni and for Pesach Rishon. But some people couldn't bring Pesach Rishon. They were Tamei, therefore we wait another month for Pesach Sheni. Between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni is the census of the people. In the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, when we count them getting ready for traveling and conquering Israel. On the 14th of Yar is Pesach Sheni. Everyone brought Korban Pesach. Now, now we can begin our journey. On the 20th of Yar, B'nai Yisrael begin their journey when the Anan goes up and Am Yisrael leaves. So basically, Am Yisrael is encamped in Harsinai for about a year, or from the time we leave Egypt until we get our relationship with God straight and we're ready. We have a Mishkan, God returns with us, and we're ready to begin our journey. We'll see by Ibn Salaron, we're ready to begin our journey. It's going to take about a year from the time we leave Egypt. On the 20th of the hour, the second month. Now, what we're going to do now is we're going to see in Chumash, in each book, how this special day, Rosh Chodesh Yisan of the second year, how it's going to develop and what's going to be special about that day. What we're going to see for sure, this is the day of the Mishkan. This is the big day where the Mishkan comes together. It's the first day the Mishkan is functional. There'll be a lot of events happening that day. There'll, there'll even be a tragedy that day. That's the day that Nadav and Aviyu are tragically killed when they do something wrong. There's so many things happening, but the most important thing is God Shechina returns, but the focus of the day is going to be the Mishkan. And the nation, as a community, as a nation, as a people, building a Mishkan for God. I'm putting that out because that's the theme of this year. Rosh Chodesh Yisan in year one, Parsha Chodesh, is all about the Bayit, about the Jewish home. And Rosh Chodesh Yisan in year two is all about the Mishkan, the Jewish community, the Jewish nation. And what we explained in our first year is that before we talk about a nation, we have to build the individual in the home. That's our focal point in the beginning. Then once we have that established, then we could talk about a Mishkan and a nation. And I compare that nowadays, we have the Jewish home and we have the Jewish shul in the community. And... The goal, of course, is going to be to build a community, but the basic building block will be the Jewish home. And again, in our situation we're in today, God's giving us a strange opportunity to focus on the Jewish home. And hopefully when this is over, we'll be more ready and prepared to take what we've learned and our experiences, what we take upon ourselves, and build our Jewish communities, hopefully much stronger and much better. So let's see what happened in Sefer Shemot. Recall that the commandment to build the Mishkan was given after Yom Kippur, when Moshe came down with the second Luchot. And Baikab Kudeh, chapters 35 through 40, 
of Sefer Shmot, the last two parshiot, we read them last week, talk about, or talked about how the Mishkan was put together. At the very end in Perik Mem, God tells Moshe as follows. God tells Moshe as follows. By Dabar Hashem and Moshe Lemor. Bayom HaChodesh HaRishon, Bechad HaChodesh, Takim Et Mishkan Ruhomoid. God tells Moshe, everything's ready now. On the first day of the first month in the second year now, establish or build the Mishkan Ohamoid. And then Vasapta Shabbat Aron, put everything there together, put everything where it belongs. And that continues. And sure enough, in Pasik Yitzayim, Vayi Bachodesh Harishon, the Shana Shani Bachad Achodesh, Ukama Mishkan, was put together. And then we talk about how Moshe puts it together. And we'll see if you look in your, in your Chumash, Everything's going to be, after every single section, we'll have this phrase, I'll highlight it here, Kashir Moshe. Everything is done exactly as God had commanded. I think this phrase is repeated numerous times, probably at least 10, 15 times, in that parak and through the whole section. What's being emphasized, Am Yisrael followed instructions. We did just as God commanded Moshe. Kashir Moshe. And they put the Shulchan, they put everything together. And then, in Pasuk Lamed Gimel, right towards the end, they built the courtyard around the Mishkan, and they put the Masachat um, for the entry. And finally, just like creation, by Cham Moshe Tamalacha, the work was done. Moshe completed the work. The Mishkan was built. Now we're waiting for the big moment. Now the Shkin has to return. And sure enough, after the Mishkan is built, on Rosh Chodesh is found in the second year, what are we told? By Chas Hanan et the cloud, God's glory, return out to the Omoed, God's glory was now in the Mishkan. Of course, Moshe couldn't go because it was a, God's glory was so great. Moshe could not go in right away because the was on. And Moshe has to wait until God will call him in. That will be the first line of Sefer Vayikra. Sefer Vayikra really begins here. Then, Vayikra Hashem Moshe, God called Moshe in and God spoke to him from the Omoed. The laws of how to bring carbonate or who can bring carbonate. Then there's another topic that Amisra would stay wherever the Anan was, and Amisra couldn't travel until the Anan went up, and therefore, whenever the Anan went up, we could travel. That doesn't happen until the 20th of the year, later that year. And when it didn't travel, they stayed, and that was a symbol that God is present with them in all their travels till they arrive at the land of Israel. Now, there's a beautiful parallel that the Ramban in the beginning of Parsha Truma points out that the description of the Shekhinah dwelling on the Mishkan in the end of Sefer Shmot is directly parallel to the description of the Shekhinah on Har Sinai when Moshe goes up to receive the first Luchot. We'll just see the Psukim briefly. This is in Parshat Mishpatim, in chapter 24, in Parshat uh, Mishpatim. It says, Vayam Moshe Lahar, Vaychas Anan Moshe went up to Mount Sinai. This will, be, this will be for the first 40 days. And the Anan cover the mountain. And then God called Moshe from the Anan. And Kvod Hashem was like Eshochelet, was like a burning fire tied to the people. Moshe goes into the Anan, and Moshe was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, where he receives the Torah. Now, if you look at the parallel, the Ramban, you can look at the Ramban later on, he points out, it's almost the exact same words. Here's Moshe goes to the mountain by Chasanan at Tahar, what do we have here? 
the parallels are so obvious, and that's why the Ramban emphasizes over and over again that the main reason I need a Mishkan is Amiso never leaves Har Sinai. We take it with us. Har Sinai is so important. Receiving the Torah, Amiso really can't leave Har Sinai. We take it with us. Of course, we have to leave, we have to travel to Israel. But the Mishkan is going to be our constant reminder in the realm of space of our commitment to God at Har Sinai. Just like Shabbat is a weekly reminder, so the Mishkan will be a reminder in the realm of space. And that's why when there's a conflict between Shabbat and Mishkan, there's always a question, a dilemma, what's going to override? The Tushah of Shabbat, the Tushah of the Mishkan. Of course, Parsha Vayakal told us that you can't build the Mishkan on Shabbat, even though you can bring Korbanot on Shabbat. Now, that is the description of the day in Sefer Shemot. But we're going to find the very same day in Sefer Vayikra and the very same day in Sefer Bamidbar. I'll begin with Sefer Vayikra because it's nice and simple. The seven days of Miluim, we explained, were the last seven days of the month of Adar. They're described in detail how it took place in Parshat Tzav. And then in Sefer Vayikra, after the seven days of Miluim, and then the Parshat Tzav, in the beginning of Parshat Shmini, it came to pass on the eighth day, God called Moshe and Aaron. This is the eighth day after the Miluim. It's time now to put the Mishkan together. So the story of assembling the Mishkan and every, everyone following directions and the Shekhinah returning, that's in Sefer Shemot. But what's happening from the point of view of the Korbanot, of the sacrifices, that's going to be the detail and the perspective of Sefer Vayikra on that very same day. What's interesting, because this day is so special, this is the day that God's Shekhinah returns. And this is the day that the same Shekhinah of God that was on Har Sinai is going to return to the people. And that same Shekhinah was taken away after Chet Egel. Remember after Chet Egel, Moshe had to take his tent outside the camp. And God would only speak to Moshe in his own way, outside the camp, far away. Everyone's waiting for God to speak to Moshe Rabbeinu inside the camp. The very fact that God would only talk to Moshe outside the camp after Chet Egel, until the Mishkan is built, is their constant reminder, God's Shekhinah hasn't returned yet. Now the big hope is the Shekhinah will return. But because God wants to return, God gives a special commandment to the Jewish people. And we have an interesting set of sacrifices, which we'll only have one other time in our yearly calendar. This is the one-time event of Yom HaShemini, but we're going to find the exact same thing every year on Yom Kippur. Why? Because God tells Moshe, tell Aaron to take a korban chatat and a korban olah as a sacrifice. And at the same time, he tells Bnei Yisrael, you also take a korban chatat and a korban olah. Just like on Yom Kippur. There's a korban of Aaron and there's a korban of the people. Each one brings a chatat and an olah. And that's why Yom Kippur is a yearly reminder of Yom Hashmini. In what ways it's similar. We're hoping every year on Yom Kippur for God Shekhinah to be with us. And but what enables God Shekhinah to be with us? We're an Amksha Oref. We happen to be a stiff-necked people and we tend to make mistakes. Even though we're not perfect, God is willing to use his attributes of mercy and allow his Shekhinah to dwell with us even though we're not worthy, as long as we show and try our best to be worthy. That would be the meaning of Yom Kippur. And therefore, Yom Kippur, on the anniversary of the day that we received God's Minat HaRachamim, on that very day, we bring the same Korbanot that we brought on Yom HaShmini, because that's the day that God brought his Shekhinah back. Of course, because this day of Yom HaShmini is a happy day, the Shekhinah is returning, and reminds us also of the day we get the Torah at Har Sinai, we also bring a Korban Shlamim, the Shorva Ayodh Shlamim, this Boach, 
just like we had a Korban Shlamim at Har Sinai in chapter 24 in Shmuel when we said Asa Benishma. What's the reason for all these Korbanot? Ki hayom Hashem Yeralechem. This is the day that God is going to, that God is going to be in front of you. Okay. Therefore, what happens? They take, just as God commanded, they take the korbanot, they take the animals that Moshe commanded them, they brought them to the Almoid, and they all stood in front of God, and listened to Pasekov, Vayimar Moshe, These are the korbanot we have to bring, and if we bring them and show God we want him to be with us, God's Shekinah will come. Now, this doesn't mean that if you bring these korbanot, the Shekinah will come. It, it, this can be easily misunderstood. It's not that if you want Shekhinah to come, bring these animals and that will bring the Shekhinah. It's like saying, let's say the queen is coming to visit your house. She's coming to visit your house, you make a special meal. What we do Friday night on Shabbat, the queen, Shabbat Malkah comes, we make a special meal. Making the special meal doesn't bring the queen, but because the queen is coming, of course you make a special meal. In the same way, Moshe is telling the people, because God is coming today, because today God is bringing Shekhinah back, show God that you appreciate this. And therefore, we have to do something to show God we appreciate His return. His return is enabled because we followed the commandment to build the Mishkan properly. We did it, we followed Halakha. We showed God we know how to follow instructions. And we showed God that we did this project together as a people. And we showed God we really wanted His Shekhinah, the very last thing we have to do is bring a special korban to show God we're ready for his return. And sure enough, they bring the korbanot, and at, when the korbanot are over, the very last stage, that's the first time Aaron does Birkat Kohanim. Remember that? We'll see it later on. And then he, he finishes offering all the korbanot he was commanded to do, his khatat and Ola, and the khatat Ola and Shamim of the people. And then when all the sacrifices were over, Moshe and Aaron entered the Kodesh Kodeshim with the Olamoid. And then they went out. Chazal said they said a prayer there. We ask God that Hishkina should be accepted and returned into this building, this Mishkan that we built for him. And they blessed the people. Moshe and Aaron blessed the people. And sure enough, God's glory came. So again, this is another event that happened on this very same day, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, in the second year. This is the story that's happening in Sefer Vayikra. And sure enough, in Sefer Bamidbar, we have the same day and the same event from a different perspective. Recall that we just said here, in Sefer Vayikra, we were told that Aaron lifted up his hands and blessed the people. That's called Birkat Konim. It doesn't say here what Birkat Konim was. For some reason, too complicated for today's share, for some reason, Birkat Konim is going to be recorded in Sefer Bamidbar. That's going to be the end of Parshat Naso, Perak Vav, or in the middle of Parshat Naso, by Deb Hashem B'Shalimar, Deber Al-Rom, Dabanav, Kotu Baruchot B'nei Yisrael, the famous Yivrach Hashem B'Shmerecha. And right afterwards, after we have Birkat Konim, the Perak Vav, which was first time on that day, we have the exact same day. Everyone remembers, we read this on Hanukkah, as well as Parshat Naso. Listen carefully. This is chapter 7 in the book of Bamidbar. On the very same day that Moshe finished erecting the Mishkan, that's exactly chapter 40 in Shemot. So this very same day that we found in chapter 40 in Shemot, 
chapter 9 in Vayikra is also in chapter 6 and 7, and we see in 8 and 9 in Sefer Bamidbar. What happened on that day from the perspective of Sefer Bamidbar? Vayikruven say Yisrael, the elders of the, the princes of Israel came, and because this is what's called Chanukat HaMizbech, this is the first day that the Mishkan is operational, the Kohanim and Levim have what work to do, but the leaders of the tribes, they want to join in, in the celebration. They have a great idea. They're going to bring a special present. It's like a housewarming event. A Chanukah Tabayit. Here's a Chanukah Tamizbeach. And they're going to bring a present. What do they bring? They're very thoughtful. First of all, they all work together. Instead of everyone trying to outdo each other, they all bring the same thing. The first thing they bring is they bring six wagons, and every wagon has two, two ox to pull the wagon. Why do we need wagons? Because we're going to travel with this Mishkan to the land of Israel. And then the same are thinking about the Levites who have the responsibility to carry the Mishkan. It's really heavy. And therefore, they have a great idea for a housewarming present. We're going to give wagons to help the Levites carry the Mishkan. And sure enough, God accepts this initiative, tells Moshe, accept it, accept the Agalot, and give them to the different families of, Levi, of the Levites based on their needs. In addition to that, they celebrate by sponsoring a Kiddush. And then the Nisim bring the Korban, and God tells Moshe Rabbeinu, it's fine. Remember, on the very first day, all the Nisim, all the princes of the 12 tribes, all brought the exact same sacrifice, the same Kiddush. They all brought the same thing, and God tells Moshe, it's so nice of them, every Nisim, every prince gets his own day. And then for the first day was Yehuda, and the next day was um, Yudash, now Yudah, Yisachar and Zvodun. And then later, uh, we'd have Ruvain. We went by the order of the, of the tribes, the order of the Machanot. And when it's all over, we talk about parenthetically what happened during those 12 days. Then we have a summary of the Chanukah of Mizbeach Biyomi Mashachoto. This is a list of all the Korbanot that was brought on the very first day. Remember, on the very first day, all the, all the Nisim brought the exact same Korban. But God told them one a day. At the end of the story, we have a summary of everything that was brought on the first day. After the Mizbeach was anointed, and after on the Rosh Chodesh Nisan, after everything was finished, the Nisim came and brought the Korban. And as soon as the Nisim did that, Moshe had to talk to God to find out if it was the right thing to do or not. What would happen? Moshe would go to the Olam Moed to speak to God, and Moshe would hear the voice of God coming from the Kaporet on top of the Aron Haidut, and God would speak to him. This Pasuk seems first a bit out of place at the end of Parshat Nassau. This should be the last verse. Why are we told that God speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu from the Omoid? Because if you recall, ever since the sin of the golden calf, God only spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu outside the camp, far away from the camp, because God's Shekinah was not in the camp. According to Sefer Bamidbar, what brings the Shekinah back to the camp? What enables God to talk to Moshe Rabbeinu inside the Omoid instead of outside the camp, but now in the middle of the camp, the Shachanti Betoch Israel, the act of all the Nisim united, all bringing the exact same sacrifice, thinking not about themselves, thinking about others, donating something to help the Levites. All the Nisim sponsoring a Kiddush Korban Shlamim for everyone to eat. There's a lot of meat, there's a big celebration, and every Nisim bringing the exact same thing and not trying to outdo each other, that unity of the Nisim, that's what enables the Shekhinah to come back. So if I want to summarize, what brings the Shekhinah back in Sefer Bamidbar 
which is all about leadership and the tribal leadership and Moshe Rabbeinu delegating his leadership. We call middle management. It's not all him. Now it's going to be the 70 elders and the tribal leaders and Yeshua. Little by little, we're going to delegate leadership instead of everyone think, instead of everything being Moshe Rabbeinu. We have to train the nation to take leadership on their own and transfer that leadership to the new generation. What brings the Shekhinah back in Sefer Bamidbar, the book of leadership, is going to be the actions of our leaders and the unity of our leaders working together. What brings the Shekhinah back in Sefer Vayikra will be the sacrifices that B'nai Yisrael bring and the Kwanim bring with the right attitude. And what brings the Shekhinah back in Sefer Shmuel will be the obedience in following Halakha and following God's command and working together as a nation, as a people, listening to God and appreciating God's Midot and showing God we really want His Shekhinah to be with us. The idea of God's Shekhinah being with you means that you identify with the concept of representing God. And that's what I want to conclude with. I'm sorry, one last source in Sefer Bamidbar, a very short one. Afterwards, we have Pesach. Afterwards, Aaron lights the menorah for the first time on that day. That, that's the very first time, Pasha Balotcha, in the evening, after all the Korbanot. It's the first time Aaron lights the menorah. Therefore, Pasha Balotcha, God reminds Moshe to tell Aaron how to light the menorah. Then, the 12-day ceremony is over. It's time for Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni. And then we're told, in, after the laws of Pesach in chapter 9, on the day that the Mishkan was established, then uncovered, that's exactly the end of Sefer Shemot. And the exact same day that's described in the end of Sefer Shemot in Tarek Mem, the very last lines of Sefer Shemot, pick up here in chapter 9, Sefer Mamidbar. And then this takes us right into Vahibin Soaron, at the end of the first section of Sefer Bamidbar, at the end of chapter 10, before the travel begins. Amiso is getting ready, hopefully, for this ideal travel with the Shekhinah. What I want to conclude with, as our time is just about up, is that what is the meaning of the Mishkan? Or what is the meaning of God's Shekhinah being in the camp? It's not something magical. I think it's something very logical. God chose us for a reason. God chose us to be a nation that's going to serve Him. It's going to represent Him properly. And we serve God not by feeding God, we serve God by how we act. We come to the Mishkan to remember how, to, how we need to behave. It's not the Korbanot to bring God's Shekhinah. It's our behavior that enables God's Shekhinah to come. But the Mishkan is not the reason for the Shekhinah. It's an indicator. I'm looking for, it's not what's called in Hebrew. It's not the Siba, it's the Siman. The Siba for God's Shekhinah is going to be our behavior. The Siman that God is with us will be the Mishkan. So we need a reminder and we need a symbol to remember that we represent God, and we'd like to see a sign from God that He identifies with us. He's happy with our behavior. Because if we don't act properly, God takes the Shekhinah away. Therefore, the Mishkan is important to us, not as the reason for why God will be with us, but as a reminder and as an indicator that God is with us. But the way that God is with us is by how we behave. And that's what enables the Shekhinah to return. And therefore, each book talks about what brings the Shekhinah based on our behavior. So to conclude, the first Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which was the center of the Seder at home, the focus of the Bayit. The second Rosh Chodesh Nisan is going to be all about the Mishkan, about our nation and community. We need both. The first stage is the Bayit. The second stage is the Mishkan. Later in Sefer Tzvarim, I want to introduce our next topic, not today, but in our next year, or one of our following Shirim, is in Sefer Tzvarim, the Mishkan becomes the Mikdash, and we're going to see later in Sefer Tzvarim, once a year, we have to come to the Makom HaShuyiv Har Hashem 
and bring our first fruits, the Bikurim. And when we bring our first fruits in the Mikdash every year, the Makom HaShayv Har Hashem, the Shaken Shmo Sham, we recite the Aramiyah Vedavi. And we're going to see that that text, that proclamation of Aramiyah Vedavi, that we say, is going to be the key text in the Haggadah of how we tell the story. Why that takes place and why Chazal picked that to tell the story, we'll continue that in one of our following Shiurim next week. Everyone should have a Chodesh Tov, and everyone should continue to pray and be worthy of God's Gula, and we should see Yeshua in the month of Nisan. Chodesh Tov.